The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being an intentional spirit, and thank you for listening to our show and sharing it with all the people in your life. We really appreciate it because of you. The intentional spirit is is featured with listeners all over the world. When we think about being intentional and dynamic, um, I'm so grateful that in my 30s, I was so fortunate to meet someone that is just that, Minx Boren. And knowing her and knowing how she models life in every way has truly made such a tremendous impact on my life. And I wanted to share her with you today. Welcome to our show, Minx. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, you have been um, such a role model in my life, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. I, I, I see you as being such an intentional spirit in so many different ways. You know, the fifth principle of, of unity is through our words, thoughts, and actions, you know, we go out and live. And, and for me, that's what you do more than and better than most people I've ever met, and that's the living part. You know, it's one thing to have concepts and intellectual bumper sticker truths, but I love the way you, <laughs> you model uh, life and, and the way you, you model energy. And I remember so many years ago when I, I met you, and I, you know, was a recovering uh, alcoholic and was getting those sugar fixes and needed my chocolate and needed my sodas and um, and and I, I would come into your house and I didn't recognize anything you had in your refrigerator, girl. 
remember looking in your refrigerator, you'd say, oh, I'm gone for a couple of days and make yourself at home. And I would go, what is this? Stuff, you know, <laughs> no Oreos, um, and then no. <laughs> and, and no, no, nothing in a box, um, nothing in a can, uh, nothing on the microwave, and um, but the beauty of that is, is you never laughed at me, you never made me wrong, uh, you never made fun of me, you never made me feel less than, um, with all your years of nutrition, and. It would just be hysterical that every time I would get around you, I would crave chocolate or sodas, and um, I just that just changed my life. You didn't coach me. You didn't start sending me uh, paper in the mail because we didn't have internet like you know then. And uh, who knew that you know one day you would come to my refrigerator and now my refrigerator looks like yours. So. Um, that's modeling. Modeling really teaches people how to become an intentional spirit. But how did you uh, arrive there? Did you know early on in your life that you were going to take good care of your body temple, that you were going to commit to eating right? And uh, how did that occur in your life? Well, I certainly didn't grow up with any... Uh, focus on eating particularly healthy. I I grew up in a family in the um, 40s and 50s, and we kind of ate what was out there and didn't think much about it. Sugar was a good thing. Actually, in those days, smoking was a good thing. Nobody knew a lot of what we know now about how things affect our body. And I kind of was going merrily along, and then I got married and I got pregnant and I had a first child and that child, my son Reed, was really sick from a very early age. He had severe asthma. And because I didn't want him on excessive medication, because I was looking at what else I could do, I learned everything from how to do yoga to crisis breathing to how to eat really, really healthfully. And it was a journey. It was a process. And I didn't know it all at once. It was a lot of a trial and error. But over time, I found out not only what made him feel better, but also what made me feel better. And then I stuck with it because mostly it became, I used to say, because I taught, I practiced as a nutritionist for years and years, that if I get, could get someone to do it for a month or two, chances are they'd do it for a lifetime just because they'd feel so much better. Because you don't have, when, when you don't know how well you can feel, you have no frame of reference. And then all of a sudden you have this new kind of energy, new kind of clarity, and new kind of ability to sleep well. And that's a big enough reason to stay with it. Well, I know I am as well as so many people that have known you. We're, we're glad you did. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're very you. glad that you did. But I think and I'm that glad that, that you did because um, I can come to your house and show up and your fridge looks like mine. So it's easy for me to eat there now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, we're we're two of the few people that I know that the only reason we use a microwave is to tell time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hysterical. Well, along the way, um, you know, you have decided to to share your life with. Um, a much broader group of people and and you've been coaching and life coaching people 
uh, from all over the world for a very long time. But one of the things I, I, I see about you is you are, a, you are the, the next up-and-coming um, Maya Angelou, and I've, I've felt that for a very long time. I've teased you about that for a very long time, but fortunately for us, um, Blue Mountain Publishing is seeing that as well. And you've just come out with a, an amazing book. Um, I'm looking up all your information on your website, coachminx.com, and I'm seeing your new book, Healing is a Journey. Find your own path to hope, recovery, and wellness. Um, uh, tell our listeners, how, how did this book come about? How did you get involved with uh, Blue Mountain Publishing? I, I think that's a curiosity with people now is how to, how to have that happen in your life. Um, paint the story for us. Okay, so there are two separate pieces to the story. The book is a combination of poetry and uh, prose, thoughtful essays, thoughts about healing. So there's the whole side of the book that has to do with healing and appropriate poetry. But where it began, I've been writing, I've been keeping a journal since I'm nine or ten years old. I still have a lot of those journals. I actually teach journaling to people, discovering yourself on the page. So I've been writing forever, and it wasn't writing with the intention necessarily of publishing or anything else. It was simply to stay in touch, to keep a finger on the pulse of my own thoughts and feelings. Uh, this book in particular, I've self-published a dozen books over the years, some on my own, some with other people. But this book in particular, the whole experience with Blue Mountain was a rather magical one because I was in New York City. I was visiting uh, the person that I call my cousin brother, and he had said, let's go to synagogue before we have dinner. And just, the rabbi loves your poetry, let's go. So we went, and the rabbi saw me there and said, come, come read something for the service. So I read a poem, and then we went through the whole service, and at the end, a young man came up to me and said, my mother would love your poetry. And I thought, how fascinating, young guy, that's not a usual sentence, that's not something that somebody young would necessarily know about their mother. So I, I said, okay, I would love to give your mother a book. His mother, as it turned out, was Susan Polish Schultz, who's the founder of Blue Mountain. And so I sent her a book, and a few weeks later she called me and said, I love what you do, I love what you write, you are going to write for us. And that was the beginning of it. So it happened in some magical way, uh, which I think is the way a lot of things in life happen, and I know that you feel that way as well. The healing part was I, from the time I was young, I had a very... There was a lot of illness around me. My mother was very sick. So I was always in that conversation about what is healing and how do we get there. And that grew when my son was sick, and so it just became an ongoing conversation. And I began looking at it from many different viewpoints, all about this journey to, to healing, which is very different from the journey to finding a cure. It's this journey to wholeness. And so the book is more than about just when you are physically sick. It's any time that you are men- mentally or emotionally not quite as whole and as wholesome as you'd like to be. Does that answer it? Oh, it does. It does. And 
And I, I, I love the, the fact that you hold healing like, like I do because uh, often, you know, because we want to, you know, we want to embrace that throughout our world there are people that need healing that don't know they do, you know, and, and there are subtle healings that are lying within us that get in the way of, of all of us because they're, they're unconscious. You know, we're not doing it on purpose. I don't think a lot of people set out to be, uh, you know, hard to get along with or critical or, you know, embedded in their perfectionism because they necessarily make up their minds to be. But you take the approach of healing like I do is that I, I like to say healing is not just about what's wrong with you. Um, it more often than not is the inability to see what's right with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, I love that. And I, that's what I, I love about this book, Healing is a Journey, because um, the lack of self-esteem is a healing issue. You know, the inability to assertively say to your husband, your wife, um, your life partner, your best person, uh, this doesn't work for me. The hesitation to speak what we feel or taking authority uh, of our lives, our, our, our dimension, what we feel. Having a conversation over dinner with people that are so odd to us and not really uh, stepping out of our box or our shell, uh, those are all healing. And um, your book and many of your writings, people that live in the mantra of, I'm so busy, um, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, um, this book has many different um, poems and writings and steps uh, which can help support just a greater person. So. I love the book. I think it's a must-have for everybody. Healing is a journey. Um, do we ever get there? Or is that the goal, no. Minks? Do we ever no, want to the get there? Nothing. No, the goal has nothing to do with getting there. It's being very present on the journey. We are all always, for as long as we draw breath on a healing journey or for people who object to that, a health-wise journey, we're always looking for what is the healthiest, most vital, most authentic, courageous, um, satisfying way we can live. That's the journey, uh, the most loving way we can live. And it, so it's all about being there in, with a level of consciousness that we don't often bring to our everyday lives unless we really take the time to learn to be mindful, to become mindful. A lot of the book is about mindfulness. It's stopping, taking a pause, taking a breath, and noticing, how do I feel right now? What's going on right now? What shift do I need to make right now? It's interesting you said something about busy, and I keep talking about this I'm so busy syndrome. It used to be you said, hi, how are you? And someone said, fine. Now you say, hi, how are you? And someone goes, I'm so busy. That's the, it's almost like a status symbol instead of um, a, a, a thoughtful approach to life. We've all just kind of gotten a little busier than, than might necessarily support us in being all that we want to be. Have you noticed that? 
Oh, oh, totally, yes. The I am busy mantra has become almost like a credential. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I, I made it through high school, I made it through college. It's become like a... Uh, a thing and uh, and and like you I'm in the practice of mindfulness to not use that you know or when I'm describing various opportunities and, and great things that are happening in my life you know first and foremost I'm the one calling them in you know I'm wanting them to show up and I, I remind myself of quite often is I, I don't want to give a mixed signal to the universe, my creator, spirit, my higher power, or whatever you call it. I don't want to give any mixed signals because I love all the things that are coming my way now. So I don't want to diffuse or uh, diminish them in any way by, by coming across with some kind of anxiousness of being overwhelmed um, because mm-hmm. I, I, I want more. I don't want less. I want. I, I want more. I love your um, poem in your book, and I'm going to read it. Healing is a journey, sometimes long and slow, other times undertaken in big, determined strides across a sometimes daunting, other times confusing landscape. And yet, in truth, there is no actual destination, no momentous endpoint to be reached, where one thrusts the flag into the ground and declares the exploration to wellness complete, at least not as long as one still draws breath and navigates the sometimes quiet, other times tumultuous seas of life. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Well, this uh, book is filled with uh, great stories, how-tos, steps, beautiful poetry, and just a full package. And I just love it. I I just really um, have benefited from it. And I've, I've actually given it to a number of friends who are going through grief or changes or life and those uh, kind of things. So it's just... Really, really powerful. Uh, For those of you that are just tuning in, I'm talking today with Minx Boren. She is an author of of many books, including the new book by Blue Mountain Publishing, Healing is a Journey. And you can go to her website, coachminx.com. I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Unity Online Radio and for your ongoing contributions. We truly are the voice for the awakening world, giving ideas and concepts and ways of looking at life. I want to thank all of you who continue to tune in to unitycampus.org. And please take time to visit my website. It's brand new, templehaze.com. And you can uh, find out information about my new book, When Did You Die? We'll be right back after this short break. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. 
Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity Online Radio and click on Mobile Listening. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life, It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you if you're just joining us on our show. I'm talking to Minx Boren. Um, you can go to her website, coachminx.com. And read all about her as a uh, nutrition specialist, as a as a well-known author, speaker, life coach. And we're talking about and putting most of our emphasis today on her new book with Blue Mountain Publishing, Healing is a Journey, Find Your Own Path to Hope, Recovery, and Wellness. Um, Minx, we were talking about before um, we took a time out, we were talking about this whole energy around busyness, how people speak, of what they say. Um, tell us some of your findings through the years about how you can reframe different ways and patterns in which you hold um, those moments that require our attentiveness in life. 
One of the things that that happens is we're in this I'm so busy, almost what you call the credential, I call a status symbol. Uh, and in that, we also have these endless to-do lists. I sometimes joke that at the end of the day, there are days where the only thing that gets crossed is Tuesday at the top of the list when I hope to get to some of it on Wednesday because they're, they're just, we put so much on ourselves. But beyond that, some of it is the way we frame it in our own minds. I remember being in a yoga class one late one afternoon and an older woman friend came into the class and she said, oh, I, I, I was wondering and I was, I was pushing myself because I had to get to yoga, I had to get to yoga. And she said, and then I stopped and I had this thought, I'm 80 years old and I get to do yoga. And that got, I thought that was just so brilliant that she just shifted it in her own mind. And so I started to look at that from the larger perspective of all the things that we get to do rather than have to do if we look at it from a certain perspective. Another favorite example is we get to do the laundry, which in our world, in our culture, doesn't mean going out and carrying laundry for miles to a river and beating it against a rock. We get to put it in a washing machine and and have the, the washing machine do all the work. And it means that we have clothes. If we have clothes on our back, then we have something to wash. So if we just change it, I have to do dinner versus I get to cook dinner, which means that there's food available to me, and I get to make it in some way that's uh, interesting and perhaps even delightful. It's just a very different perspective if you change your to-do list to your get-to-do list. Fun idea? Mm. Ah, that's a good one. I like that a very, that that makes a big difference. And and don't you find also staying away from the word have to? Well, it's all the should. It makes a difference. You no. Know, yeah. Somebody many years ago sent me a card, and it still sits on my desk saying, I will not should on myself today. I love that. And so it's still up there. It's a reminder all the time when I get into all the things that I should do. And then... I shifted around. Actually, I did a workshop yesterday for a group of young girls. It's called Girl Power Day. And one of the exercises I asked them to do was to write down in two columns what I called energizers, energize hers, and deplete hers, things that energize us and things that deplete us, and to pay attention to that so that we make choices more from that energizer column. What brings us joy? And how do we shift something that we're doing to something that can bring us joy? And and that being said, what do you feel are some of the things that deplete our energy? Languaging would be one of them. Doing a lot of things we don't want to do, shitting on ourselves. Um, the other thing I notice that people say a lot is, I'm going to run. Uh, an energy healer was staying at my home, and she pointed that out to me. I'm going to run upstairs, and I'm going to get this, whatever it is. And um, she was talking about how when you do that, your adrenals get ready because, you know, mm. when we think literally that we're going to be running. And I, I've been a, it fascinated how often I say that 
But now that it's in my awareness, I notice how other people will do it. You know, other people at my office will say, well, I'm going to run and I'm going to do that. And I'll laugh and I'll go, well, why don't you drive your car? (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't you you just walk there? Right. You know, making the point of, um, you know, I've got to run across town. Well, drive your car. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can Love imagine it. the jolt that the that the body feels because it thinks you're going to run, you know, 23 miles rather than drive. <laughs> so it's it's part of that is it's almost that fight or flight syndrome. It, it's it's we we yes, get we program go. ourselves in some way to um to do things at at an unrealistic pace instead of a graceful, uh, easy pace. My theme this year actually is early and easy. I noticed that I, I, I was, for some, I just got in the habit of if I needed to be someplace in a half hour, I left myself just a half hour. Well, that doesn't leave time for any of the things that can happen along the way. Uh, and so I now, I plan it. I start out 15 minutes early. And if I wind up being early, well, that gives me 15 minutes to sit and read or take a breath or do something like that. I change the way I, I look at and program time. I've got something called a calendar system uh, about a full-spectrum life. And one of the things in there is that I, that I say is that just because it fits in your calendar doesn't really mean that it fits in your life. We always see, oh, there's this little patch of space between one and two. I bet I could run across town and do these 12 things in there instead of, wow, I've got this little piece of space. Maybe I could sit, write some poetry. I could call a friend. I could sit outside. I could go for a walk in nature. We're so busy fitting more in, cramming it in, instead of savoring and finding ways to do things at a more graceful pace. It makes such a difference. It, it really does. And it can be something as simplistic as, uh, being a life coach that you are or being someone that does life counseling and things like I do is spacing things up. Um, I remember uh, years ago when I, I went to a therapist um, actively uh, with the same person, and she had a timer that ran behind me, and and she was very adamant about, you know, that time. And the first point she made is because most people, if they know they have 45 minutes, they start talking about what they really came for 35 minutes in, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And and so she was very adamant about that time frame. And there were times that I found it a little annoying. But I totally understand it now because she would take 15 minutes between people and regroup, go outside, um, you know, reassess, um, sage, whatever, you know, to get that time out. And I think that's a, a huge practice in mindfulness is spacing things out enough that you get to regroup um, because you're influenced and affected by, you know, the energies and the other people that, that you're dealing with and that you're embracing. Well, in your book, you, you address some key ideas Regarding, you know, doing too much, um, doing more, doing less, 
Um, walk us through, I think you've listed four concepts that are really powerful. Uh, talk us through how did you discover uh, with the, your own paradox of healing, what does doing more and doing less mean? Oh, well, early on, especially when my son was sick, it's whenever a crisis arises, we just want to do something. We want to do anything. We want to do everything. We want to do it all at once, as fast as we possibly can. So we, so we, we pursue things at um, a very hectic place, and in some ways we have to. When we're ill, we need to find out, what am I going to do? We need to do some research. We need to get on board. We need to call whoever we need to do. But at the same time, there's this paradox that we also need to do less. We need to take time to take a breath. We can find 50 things that someone or another tells us is appropriate or the right thing to do or the best thing to do. We need to get in touch with our own soul. What's going to work for me? What am I willing to do? What feels right to me right now? Because I can't do it all at once or I'll just be frantic and frenetic. And that doesn't in any way... Uh, positively impact the healing process. We need to be gentle with ourselves. Oh my gosh, I remember Temple years ago when I was going, I was having both my hips replaced and you came over here to do a shamanic journey with me. And we, we would sit there for a long time and say, I will be gentle with myself. I will love myself. Love myself. And you love I am a child of the universe. We are one together. I remember that. I always that admire that those of us me. that. Go ahead. I you always said? admire those of us that are willing to sing when that's not our our top um, blessing. <laughs> that's definitely not my top. Thing. But that I mean, I just applaud the willingness. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. They'll get the idea, right? Anyone who's listening, please get the idea. Exactly. They get the idea. We're being gentle with ourselves, even as we sing, and we're not singers. Right. <laughs> so, but that that remembering to be gentle with myself as I was going through that process. Uh, as, I, as we were preparing me to go through double hip replacements. And that stayed with me. So even in the midst of all that I was doing and preparing for and all the things that I was setting up and getting in line to make sure happened and all the healers that would come in, blah, 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 there was also just being gentle with myself. So that's the first point of what I call the paradoxes of healing. And you ask the so the second one is about hope, and acceptance. And I start off the piece about that in the book by saying hope is a survival trait. Because, and if you think about it, those, of us, those who survive, going back to primitive times, you have to have some sense of hope, of possibility. Without it, you lose heart, you, you despair, and you don't go on. So it's about having hope. It's about remembering to be hopeful and to look for possibilities. And it's also about acceptance. It's about being willing to be with what's so. Because it, we, can't, it, we can't start from anywhere else but where we are in the moment. It's the what's so right now, whatever that is, whether that's a diagnosis or whether that's some 
something in our life that's not going according to plan. It's simply what's so. And we need to own up to it, recognize it, name it, and still in our hearts hold a more uh, potent possibility for ourselves. It's not an either-or. It's not about being unrealistically hopeful or a Pollyanna. And it's not about being so mired in the what-so-ness of the diagnosis or whatever else that we, that we become immobilized. It's this balance. It's this being able to live in that paradox as well as the paradox of doing more and less. The third mm-hmm. one I talk about is about self-reliance and receptivity. And it's that. So we, we need to be responsible for ourselves response-able, able to respond to what's coming our way. We can't hand it all over to somebody else. We need to participate in our healing. What lots of studies have shown is that those people who join some kind of recovery group, some kind of help group, whether it's going through cancer or going through uh, healing from some kind of substance abuse or whatever, uh, going through grief, we need we need to be part of something larger. We need to receptivity, and we also need to accept our role in in the in whatever's going on. It's not once again. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And when we can embrace both those things, not turning it over, and yet not feeling that we've got to go it alone, that's where healing happens. In that kind of balanced middle space. And then the last one I'll mention, and then please chime in, is this idea of selfishness and compassion. Because we have this idea about selfishness being a bad thing, but it's not. We each need to start with our own self. It's the old put your own oxygen mask on in the airplane before you attempt to help anybody else or you won't be much use to anyone. So we need to be selfish, and especially when we're going through some kind of healing. We need to remember, am I taking care of me me first? And then with that, we also need to remember that larger picture, this compassion for everyone. And sometimes, especially when we're on a on a pretty steep healing journey, we, we need to, to recognize or we get to recognize other people's journeys, other people's healing journeys. We open our, up our heart so much to other people who are in the midst of their own healing journeys. We have more com- the capacity for more compassion, and that compassion is in itself healing. The words, I understand, when spoken with true compassion... Not just, yeah, I understand. Make all the difference and create bridges amongst us. So there they are, my four, or at least four of the many aspects of the paradox of healing. Doing more and less, hope and acceptance, self-reliance and receptivity, selfishness and compassion. Well, what, what keeps coming up for me is the as you were talking and I was um, seeing this visual imagery, I was thinking about the idea when you were talking about, you know, kind of walking through it one step at a time, I was thinking about how if it's dark outside 
and you you walk out there with a flashlight and you just beam the uh, flashlight way too far ahead, uh, it, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> you you mm. can't you can't get a sense of what's in front of you. But if you will just point the light right in front of you and take a few steps, and then right in front of you and take a few steps, then before you know it, you're where you were longing to be. Um, and that's exactly what, with the support of the book of healing as a journey, it offers people that ability to just take the steps uh, that are right in, in, in front of them. Um, we're listening and talking today with Minx Boren. She is the author of several books and several poetry books. And now the new book, Healing is a Journey, published by Blue Mountain Arts. Find your own path to hope, recovery, and wellness. You can go to Minx's website at coachminx.com. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening to The Intentional Spirit. Uh, Thank you for sharing uh, with your family and friends the importance and value of this show that offers tools rather than rules that help people live in practical ways in their lives. We'll be right back after this short break. Now available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You Pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free You Pray app and links to download, visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. world we live in making you ill fast food junk food feeling overwhelmed not enough time people are stressed anxious overweight depressed and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills there really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication and it's not rocket science or hard work primary brain repair is a simple natural method developed by dr suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems you can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self, increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And we're getting a a lot of insight and um, depth and tools as we're talking today with me, who has written the new book, Healing is a a Journey, Uh, literally a, a lifelong path. Um, not a destination, not an arrival place. And Minx, I I love your website, CoachMinx.com, and in reference to what we were talking about, about uh, moving forward, being self-reliant, one of your featured screens on your website says, the Spanish word for sunflower is girasol, which means turning toward the sun, Perhaps we can take a lesson for nature and learn to continually turn toward the sun, no matter the clouds and storms that temporarily block our access, as a way to resource our energy and be replenished in the process. I I love that because um, I talk often about a law of just as a plant is reaching towards the sun, at the same time, the sun is reaching towards the plant. And I think sometimes when we are walking through things, we forget that and, and we lose sense of paying attention to the magic. Talk to us about that. So that whole concept of girasol turning toward the sun, even in the darkest of times, I'm trained in positive psychology. Um, one of the one of the most effective, single most effective exercises that you can do is before you go to sleep each night to write down three things you're grateful for or three good things that happened that day. And what happens even in the midst of a healing crisis, there are there are small blessings. Whether it's that somebody showed up and held your hand or brought chicken soup or just called you on the phone to give you a phone hug. There are blessings everywhere, and if we turn toward them and allow ourselves to be warmed by them, it makes all the difference, that shift in how we see things. I think it was Helen Keller who said, when you turn your face toward the sun, then the shadows fall behind you. So that's another image that works. You were talking about pointing a flashlight just a little bit in front of you and taking a few steps and taking a few steps. And that's so true. And beyond that, there's the whole idea that when we're, whether we're looking for them or not, but ideally when we're looking for them, miracles happen, magic happens. We take a step toward something, toward our own healing process, and all of a sudden something we couldn't have known about shows up. I was, when Reed, when my son was sick, this goes back so many years ago, I was kind of wandering around trying to figure things out. I went to this, there weren't any big health food stores in those days, but there was a small one, and I went in and there was this flyer about natural gourmet, healthy cooking. And the little voice in my head said, go and find out more. And I said, don't be ridiculous. I grew up in the restaurant business. I studied at Cordon Bleu in Paris. I know how to cook. But I listened to the little voice, <laughs> and I showed up. And that woman, Anne-Marie Colbin, was such a godsend. She guided me through 
the things I, the, I, there were the things I was doing and then the things I didn't yet know to do. It was all in the realm of what I didn't even know I didn't know. And just by that little miracle, everything changed. Then I took one of her classes and sitting next to me was someone who knew someone who did kinesiology. She, he was a chiropractor and he had pieces of the puzzle. And then going to him, I learned something else and that was another piece of the puzzle. So miracles show up. If you're shining that flashlight just a few steps in front of you, one by one, the next possibility that you, that wasn't in the realm of your world of understanding. There's all, there's what we know, there's what we don't know, and then there's this huge piece of what we don't even know, we don't know, which is where the universe dances with us and shows us something beyond what we could have possibly known before. And if, and if we stop and remember to be grateful for that miracle and to notice it and to actually name it as a miracle, I keep a miracle journal where every day I write down what was miraculous or unexpected in the day beyond what I could have known. Hey, you and I met Temple by this miracle of your showing up on my doorstep for a women's group that never actually happened. And so there we go. We started as a miracle. Absolutely. It was a, it was a divine appointment. And um, the point that you're, that you're making, and I'll add to that a little bit, is that it, it's important to live life from that perspective and that knowing, um, just like if you sit down to put together a puzzle, uh, either uh, a cardboard box puzzle, uh, which some people do still do, thank heavens, or if you're like me and you're into the new iPad puzzles. You know, before I sit down to do every puzzle, I'm approaching it with all the believability in the world that all the pieces are going to be there. Because mm. if you approach it putting it together from the very beginning, like, well, what if the manufacturer screwed up? Well, what if they messed up and there's a couple of pieces missing? Then you don't believe in the project and you don't believe in the sense of completion. And in that same way with life, we have a manufacturer. We're all destined to be authentic, original, on our path, and if we start out totally in doubt, well, it's probably not going to work out. Oh, well, you know how it is. Hardly anything ever comes together for me. I mean, that's what we expect. And, we, you know, we get the sense of hope. But my teacher told me many years ago, we rarely get what we hope for. We always get what we expect because that's what our eyes are looking for, you know, and that's what we pay attention to. Just like if you said to me, are you amazed at how many people wear red all the time? Then that's what I start seeing. It was always there, but I didn't notice it because my eyes weren't going, let's look for this. Let's expect this. And mm -hmm. um, that's a key thing with what you're saying is putting that, that magic in front and, and knowing how to connect the dots, being open that to be authentic about it and, and allow it to unfold. And that's exactly right of my coming to not facilitate a group, which I originally was asked to do and I declined because I didn't, I wanted to participate in something and I grabbed the opportunity with people I didn't know 
because I like to learn and, and be a student of life and and knocking on that door and there you were and it's like that door knock has led to uh, 20 years of friendship now or more than mm-hmm. that a long that was, time <laughs> yeah almost 25 I think yeah and that's the, that's the profound <laughs> magic. Mm-hmm. It is 25. So, yeah, we must have met when we were about 15, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we have... Um, we... Go ahead. Go ahead. You go. Uh, no, I was saying um, we have saying a... it. We're going back and forth. I'm going to jump in. So uh, what I was going to say is when you were talking about expect magic, in my book I talk about four things. And I'm just going to go through them really quickly. The first is to define magic. And magic isn't just pulling a rabbit out of the hat. It's a wonderful coincidence. You got a call from somebody about come facilitate, and you decided to show up not to facilitate, and there we were together, and basically nobody else showed up or one other person, and it didn't turn into a group, but we stayed together. The expect magic we talked about, but the third piece is when it happens, recognize it as magic, not just, oh, yeah, that just happened. Coincidences are magical, and so not only recognize it, but the fourth thing is actually celebrate it. Take time to, to, to be in awe of the things that are awesome, because they are, and we just get ho- too ho-hum about it uh, instead of just recognizing, wow, another miracle. Here goes. Let's embrace yes, it. Yes, it's, it's, it's truly about allowing it to, to come in. Well, with our couple of minutes remaining, I would love it if you would read um, one of your poems. I think that would just be a great way to end our segment today. Of all people, hmm. um, someone that writes the beautiful poetry like you do, um, are you going to do sometimes? Sure. I love that poem. It's probably, it's, it's okay. a poem that I wrote so many years ago. And it actually, it's, it's in the chapter, the whole chapter on the paradox of healing. Sometimes, sometimes it is all just too much. Too much to fathom, too much to analyze, too much to accept, too much to do. Sometimes it is better to just let go of all the problems, of all the tasks, of all the burdens that weigh us down. Sometimes the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to walk away, to walk out from under, to walk into the daylight and to warm our souls. Sometimes... When we return, our absence will have allowed for a shift and the burden seems somehow easier than before. Then, sometimes, we must remember to be grateful and to rest in the assuredness that we are enough after all. That we are enough after all. And I love that. And I, 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 what a great way to, to end our time together of just being grateful and being aware and being connected. What a blessing it is. So thank you, Mink Boren, for blessing us with your energy and your consciousness on our show today. I'm Temple Hayes, and I want to thank all of you for being part of this experience that we have had together. Continue to enjoy this amazing journey. 
that we call life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you, Ming. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Is the world we live in making you ill? Fast food, junk food, feeling overwhelmed, not enough time? People are stressed, anxious, overweight, depressed, and have numerous health issues that are being treated with pills. There really is a way to get back to good health without the use of medication, and it's not rocket science or hard work. Primary brain repair is a simple, natural method developed by Dr. Suka that can give you relief from your symptoms and help prevent long-term health problems. You can have more energy and a release from pain and suffering, along with a new joyful sense of self increasing your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. It's called Wellness Simplified. Join Dr. Suka on Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time and learn more about her healing method. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it. And it will become clear that you are the channel and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.